Hi guys. Welcome back to the 4A Baseball Podcast. Uh, it's been a minute since I've said something. Tom and Stavs did a great job carrying us through the past week. I appreciate it. I was down in uh, Georgia doing some work. Tom, Stavs, you guys went to the beach. How was it? Great beach trip. Um, just a great beach. I got a nice tan. Stavs got a nice burn. The usual God. at the beach. You know how it is. Stavs, go ahead and explain. I did not burn. I put enough sunscreen on to uh, probably kill a, a small farm, but you know, it's fine. I didn't burn, and that's what matters. Devs, do you use sunscreen as pesticide? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Only real farmers do. Oh. Okay. Well, as you guys might know, uh, the trade deadline, we are recording this on Tuesday, it finished at six o'clock today. Um, I definitely know that there are some names that we had thrown around that have been thrown around a lot, and most of them didn't get moved, but there were a couple of trades that did happen. Do you guys think this trade deadline moved the needle for a lot of teams, or was it kind of eh? Eh. That's the perfect word to describe it. It was very underwhelming. A lot of teams that were the big name, will these guys go off the board? Sellers like the Padres and the, uh, I mean, even the Cardinals didn't sell big. Um, but more importantly, the Angels with Shohei, there was a very underwhelming deadline, only with uh, one real, you know, game changer blockbuster move, I, in my opinion. I, I mean, I agree. I, n- no big major deals really happened. I mean, there was a lot of kind of little things that happened that kind of probably helped the teams in one or two places. But I don't really think it it swayed like one team like, oh, my God, this team got an insane bargain and and they're this pushes them over from somewhat contenders to definitely contenders. I completely agree with that. I think that there's a couple of teams who shifted themselves up and down a little bit. And we'll kind of talk about each team as we go along. We have this article from MLB.com where it just talked about every move that has taken place, starting with the world as Chapman. You did hear about this from us over the past month. Uh, it's been a great move for them so far. They really kicked it off. I don't quite understand why teams don't act like the Rangers did here, where if there's a piece you want, just go get them early because there's not going to be as much bidding back then. So I think that move, it was a good move as it is, but the fact they did it a month ago made it an even better move. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the big moves at this trade deadline have mainly been pitching. I mean, in general, pitching is important, but I think a lot of teams have stocked up their bullpens and in some cases uh, gotten rid of their bullpen members. But right here with the Rangers getting Chapman, I mean, this is probably the best the best reliever that got traded at this deadline other than maybe Paul Seawald. Um, and Aroldis Chapman has completely revived his career, and he looks good on the Rangers too because uh, we know that because he's been on this team since June 30th. I think that one of the things that went really well at this deadline was that most of the rental pitchers that were supposed to go went. But I think the fact that there wasn't a lot of big player uh, position player movement is kind of a, a preview of what free agency is because there's not that many strong position players at this year's free agency. And that was kind of present here at the trade deadline. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just I would have liked to see a couple of guys go off the board. You know, um, we can look at back at our list, but we were excited to see some really big blockbuster moves happen. And obviously they didn't happen. Um, I mean, are you disappointed, would you say, or would you just say this is, you know, well thought out? If I had to, I think my issue is we have the hindsight of last year where everything went off the rails. We had the huge Josh Hader trade, the huge Juan Soto trade, and we didn't really have anything like that this year. I think if you guys want to hop through it real quick, the most comparable thing that happened was today, Justin Verlander went back to the Astros. Um, and in my eyes, that's the biggest needle mover. Like it, it's a 30, it's a 40 year old man going back to the team. He just won the Cy Young award on Tom. I know you were raving out Verlander and you wanted him on the giants because he's locked in over the past month. He had a great month of July and in all honesty, he's very good. It's just, he had, he had a stretch out and the Astros had to pay a price for it. So this is a huge needle mover in the future of the Mets and for this and next year's Astros. Yeah, and I want to talk about a tweet I saw earlier um, about how the Astros offered Justin Verlander two years, $80 million, while the Mets offered two years, $86 million. And all the, all the Astros needed to do 
was match that or go higher. But instead of paying three million AAV more, they have to give up Drew Gilbert, their top prospect, and another prospect just to get him back on the team. And I feel like this is a I'm not going to say it's a fleece for the Mets because this is a very big move for the Astros. And this has honestly propelled them into one of the best teams in baseball if they weren't already. Um, but man, that's a, that's a big hit to your farm system. Uh, I really like Drew Gilbert. I, I mean, the Mets have honestly been building something here and I like the return on this. All right. So what do you think about the Verlander move? I mean, it, I, I mean, it's, I definitely agree with Tom. It, they literally could have had him and then they decided to not sign him for more. And then now you're giving up two of your top 10 prospects for, for him to get back. It, it, I mean, they needed to do it and they needed pitching. We've talked about it, but I just don't know if it was it, the best course of action for him, right? The, the Mets ended up trading Scherzer and Verlander back to the AL, uh, AL was it central West, West. West. It's West. AL West. Sorry. Uh, AL West and now they're rivals again and it's it's gonna be I mean it's gonna be fun to watch down the stretch here I think it's I think the Astros Rangers rivalry heading into the end of the season is gonna be extremely fun to watch but I the Mets won this they're they're they ended up not they didn't, they're not paying any of his salary right yes, they are. Any of his salary. it did, it did come out that they are. they are they are they are but how much in fact a lot it's like 35 million dollars um but the return is crazy. I mean, if you are negotiating on the table, like a bunch of teams, because every team wanted Justin Verlander, a lot of contenders wanted Justin Verlander, and you're getting all these offers with, you know, B-tier prospects. And then Drew Gilbert and the other Mets prospect, who is still very good, come out on the, on the list. You're taking that immediately. That's a no, that's a no brainer. I mean, those are, that's the best package you could have gotten for him. Probably even better than the best you could have gotten for him. I mean, they really sold out for it. And Verlander, like going back to Stev's, uh, the money for this year and next year, the Mets send thirty-five million. So the Astros are going to be on the hook for about twenty million a year. Which, yes, you did have to give up prospects, but you're getting Justin Verlander for twenty million. Uh, I think that's kind of a bargain. And if he does get that twenty twenty-five option, the Mets will send another seventeen and a half million. Yeah. I mean, is there, is there, Brad, I know Steph's saying the Mets are the winners. Are you, do you, are you on board with that as well? I think this was an even trade. I think it's an even trade I think, too. I think, I mean, it, the only thing that would make it lopsided is if the Astros win the World Series and yeah, I, wins World Series. I, mean, <laughs> I think, I think the Mets take like a slight edge just because of they've replenished their farm system. And like the report came out today, Scherzer said that they, the Mets don't plan on, uh, competing again until 2025 they played right into that hand they went full in and they're gonna hopefully be ready to compete by 2025 and i can i think the biggest winner of this trade deadline was the new york mets it's the first time they've really won anything this season um they came into this offseason they threw around a ton of money they had done in the previous offseason max scherzer gets moved to texas and I when it happened, I, I was on a baseball field and I was like, this just doesn't feel as big as it was two years ago. Because he's a number two and number three now. And it's a great move for the Rangers because they don't have to pay a lot of the money. It did cost Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother. And the Mets effectively sold. I'm kind of surprised that, that saying that they're not competing until 2025, that they didn't shop Pete Alonso because he is up after next year, that kind of means that in order for that to be successful, they did have to sell him either this offseason or extend him. I'm fully convinced Max Scherzer was lied to just to make him waive his no-trade clause. Because if they if he had told them we'd just be competing next year, he would have wanted to stay. You know you know very well that this is a good core going forward. You got Beatty, Alvarez, the guys that they signed, obviously. Uh, if you can extend Alonzo... Uh, and this is honestly a, a decent bullpen with Edwin Diaz coming back as well. It's a stacked team that really, in in Mets fashion, could just go out in the offseason and try buying someone or, you know, a couple of role players and be right back in contention again. I don't see them – I don't see that being a truthful statement that they're going to be out of contention until 2026 because there's too much talent on this roster to do that. And I feel like they were just trying to get in the way of the no-trade clause. I don't know about that completely considering they just went and got Phil Bickford. Um so happy he's gone. I think 
they're I think 2025 is an accurate estimate because right now they're starting rotations Kodai Senga, Carlos Carrasco, Jose Quintana, Tyler McGill, and whoever you want to slot into that fifth spot. Uh, it's not great. And I've heard Steve Cohen say a lot that he wants to be the Dodgers or the or the Astros, right? He wants to be this dynasty team who can replenish in free agency, replenish at the trade deadline, but most importantly, replenish from within. And the Mets really only star recently that came from within is Pete Alonso. Obviously, Francisco Alvarez looks like he might be the next star, but recently the Mets don't have a great track record of developing players. So I think if he takes the hit for a year or two, restocks the farm system and accurately goes after specific free agents, not just the highest number free agents, if he focuses on someone who could be a little bit of a project, someone who's underappreciated and has the analytics crew to develop those players into something that outperforms their monetary value, I think that will lead the Mets into a more Astros Dodgers-esque direction. I agree. I mean, the Mets, the Mets could be even more than the Dodgers because, I mean, the, the Dodgers, while they love spending money and developing players, the Mets love spending money even more. So whatever, if they can somehow match the analytics department and development of the Dodgers, then I truly feel for, I, I fear for the future of the MLB because um, they could take over. I mean, the Mets really kind of, I mean, they had, they've gone out and they've spent and they've spent and they've spent. And so now this kind of – I saw a tweet, and it kind of felt like they're, like, reverse spending. Like, they're trading to get younger guys and better prospects and biting on, like, oh, I'll pay $30 million of of Verlander's contract if you can give me a better prospect. Oh, I'll pay whatever of Scherzer's contract if I can get the younger Acuna, right? They're, they're spending the money on players that aren't going to be on their team so they can get better prospects. That's exactly what – he said uh, Steve Cohen said he would do though. He said that I will spend extra money to get better prospects because even in turn it's a pay cut. Like he is spending less money by getting these prospects. As stupid as it sounds, by spending twenty five million this year on Justin Verlander or twenty five million next year for Justin Verlander to pitch for the Astros, he is effectively effectively paying Justin Verlander less money, and in doing so is replenishing the farm system. I think. It also has to say it's something to say about how Steve Cohen took over the Mets because when he came in and he took over, he said, I will bring a World Series to Queens in five years. If you remember the Mets team that he took over, it wasn't a good team. There wasn't really anything to call up and give hope from. There wasn't a foundation. He went and tried to buy a foundation and he realized you couldn't do that. He had to figure it out the hard way. But he couldn't do it, so now he's trying the normal way. I guess if you want to call it normal, where you quote tank. I mean, yeah, I think we can just talk about this Mets team at this point. Uh, do you want to talk about the Canada deal as well? I mean, this, this the character development is crazy. I like where this is going. If I mean, I'm not a Mets fan, but it makes me happy to see that this kind of uh, you know every they say Mets are going to Met for a reason, but now I don't know if you can say that because they're actually developing a little bit. Um, you want to talk about Trying Canna? To at least. Uh, Mark Canna went to the Brewers. Good move for the Brewers. They needed depth. Mark Canna can be serviceable. Like he can be a three war player, and the Brewers kind of need that. Uh, they got a right handed pitcher, Justin Jarvis, who's a literally their number 30 prospect. Looks like he's kind of a kind of a swing guy, can be a starter, can be a reliever. He does have high volatility in his ERA. You know. It could go either way, but the fact that Mark Canna got you a top 30 prospect from a team, good job. I think he did a good job there, Mr. Mr. Cohen. I'm I'm not necessarily a soul. I mean, unless you want to retract your statement about Canna being a um a top 10 left fielder. We talked about it entering the season. Well, do you think he's fallen off the map on, in terms of being a, a good left fielder in baseball? Where do you think he ranks upon other left fielders now at this point? I mean, he's having a down season, obviously, but. I mean, I'd obviously have to look at other left fielders, but just going off the top of my head, probably 15th. Mid. I mean, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would have liked to see someone higher than a top 30 prospect, but honestly, 
at least they went out and got pitching because they have the the ability to have a stack lineup, and I think pitching is what they need, honestly. Yeah, uh, so I do want to hop over to the other side of New York. We go to the Yankees, where one of the things I saw a lot on Yankees Twitter before this deadline was we either have to buy or we have to sell. We can't just stand still, and they stood still. The Yankees, yeah, I mean, I think I think the Middleton, I think the Middleton deal is a little underrated. Kenyon Middleton from the White Sox, a bit of an underrated guy. Uh, you know, a kind of a random, I think he's having a random breakout, if I'm not mistaken, kind of a late, late bloomer in terms of pitching. But uh, I saw him as one of the, like the underrated deadline guys. And I think it's a good move. Actually, I don't think it's a good move. I think it's a good pitcher. But do the Yankees need a bullpen? Are they already stacked in the bullpen department? They don't need that. They need bats. They need outfielders. They needed Lane Thomas, you know, uh, Mark Canna, even Tommy Pham, you could have argued like. There are guys that they could have gone out and supplied the lineup with and getting another relief pitcher to come in a game where you're down one run and your team can't score is not useful at all. So I completely agree. Like you look at the Yankees up and down, their one flaw that they don't have is the bullpen. They don't have starting pitcher depth. They don't have lineup depth. Their lineup is Aaron Judge and Glaber Torres. And their two acquisitions at this deadline were Keenan Middleton, who any other team could have gone out and got for a pretty cheap price, and Spencer Howard from the Rangers. If you guys remember him, he was a Phillies prospect. He had issues going deep into games, like he would tire after 75 pitches. He was traded from the Phillies to the Rangers for Kyle Gibson in 2022, I want to say. And now the Yankees just got him for cash. So they went and got a guy who can't go more than four innings and a reliever. That is called uh, avoiding your problems. Uh, and it, it, isn't, it isn't helpful that the the uh, Cubs went off the market. I think they were really heavy favorites to go out and get Cody Bellinger, and that might have kind of shook them a little bit that they kind of went off the market. But you can call an audible. I mean, there are other outfielders on the market that they could have gone for and they kind of just stood still. And I think that this is not a team that's going to make the playoffs anymore. I really don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I completely agree. And I think it's funny to say that Yankees fans are envious of Mets fans. They're envious that Steve Cohen and Billy Epler admitted, Hey, what we did went wrong. We're going to try something new because Brian Cashman stood there and he was like, well, I've won like this for 25 years, so let me make it 26 years. I mean, New York isn't going to the playoffs this year. So, I mean, take that as a lesson, I guess. Stevs, where where does your brain go with this trade deadline? I mean, for New York or just in in what? Like, what, what, what do you think about outside of the New York's moves, outside of the Ashers? What do you think stands out the most? Um, I mean, obviously, my Nats made one trade and then didn't do anything else. Um, they, traded, they ended up trading away Candelario, which, I mean, was like the only piece that we all kind of agreed the Nats should move was, was Candelario. They have getting Kevin Maid and DJ Hearns, shortstop and a left-handed pitch, respectively. Um, hers, I don't know. I've kind of watched a little bit. I, I don't really love his mechanics. I don't really love what his stuff. Um, but I kind of want to do a little more research into him and see kind of what he does have. Um, I don't really know a lot about Kevin made, but it was, it was, they were what they're like 14th and 16th prospect because like 14th or 16th prospect, I think. Um, yeah, made was the Cubs 14th and hers was the, 16 so i mean i mean we kind of maximized that i think for for candelario's value and then didn't move anyone else which uh that's exactly what um mike rizzo said he would do he said unless it's something crazy i'm not getting rid of finnegan or um or what was it lane thomas so it's fine uh move on to the next season it's pretty much what we have to do the other trade that does stick out to me and probably the best like uh, position player would be CJ Crone actually got dealt finally. Um, CJ Crone and Randall Gritchick head to Los Angeles and return the Rockies send Jake Madden and Mason Albright 
uh, to the Rockies. Uh, I mean, I think the Angels had a pretty good deadline, all things considered. I mean, they went out, addressed kind of their needs um, in some sense, and I think they're they're going to put their best foot forward because if they make the playoffs, they're exponentially their chances of signing resigning Shohei Otani go up exponentially. I think. So, Brad, you have anything to say first? I mean, I'm just I proud of the Rockies for actually selling. I, I didn't think too. they were going to do I it. Wanted, I really wanted to say that because they actually moved a little bit. Uh, are you surprised at Elias Diaz staying still? I'm not really surprised about that. I think they signed him for a three-year deal. Um, so it would have been good for a team to get a cost-controlled catcher. Like, he's not very expensive. It would have been good for a team to get that, but the Rockies really don't seem like a team that'll move someone with years of control. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm just happy that they actually moved. Uh, I'm not sure what they got back when they did sell, but um, Brad, if you want to pull up the hall while I'm talking about the Angels here, I'm looking at um, CJ Crone's split. I know he started the year very good, but post All Star, he's batting. Hold on, let me let me go through his splits. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. He's yeah. So I I think CJ Crone's a good piece, but I think that the Lucas Giolito and the Lopez trade was far too expensive. I think it was far too expensive. They gave it way too much. And I think they'll be kicking themselves if they don't make the playoffs. Because, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, it was all for nothing, one. And two, they got rid of their number two and three prospects in the same trade for two guys that aren't necessarily stars. Um, I like I like Giolito. I like Lopez. But, I, I, Brad, what are your thoughts on that? I think it was an overpay, but it was the right move because this might be their only chance with Shohei Otani to go for the playoffs. And you have to go all out for it. And they did. So it shows Shohei, hey, we're committed to winning. Like, this is a good environment. If you stay with us, we can go for it. But it also, it knocks them down a lot if they don't re-sign him. Because if they don't re-sign him, they're getting a qualifying offer draft pick. They're going to lose Giolito to free agency. They'll probably get a qualifying offer there. Or Ronaldo Lopez, they probably won't offer a qualifying offer. They just, as you said, tanked some of their farm system. So now their already weak farm system is weaker. And to replace what could have hauled one of the biggest deals in trade deadline history is now going to be a qualifying offer. Yeah. I mean, Steph, do you like the, I mean, you like the, like the ballsiness of the, the trade deadline, but do you actually like the pieces? I like Grichuk, honestly, too. I think it's a bit of an underrated pick there, too. I mean, I think they went out and they did what they had to do to try and keep Shohei Otani, right? They went out, they got Gigi Cron, they got Randall Grichuk, they got two pitchers. Like, the team, they needed remember at the beginning of the season we talked about they needed uh, above average players at least or at least average players but we needed above average players they went out and got those guys those guys got hurt so they went out and got more guys like that that's kind of what they're trying to do and i it it was working for a little bit and maybe it's the push they really need maybe fresh you said cj crones are performing this season maybe a fresh look in los angeles will help him get back on the track he was last season I mean, that's not his first time in with the Angels. He was there at the beginning of his career, so hopefully he's accustomed to things, a little bit more comfortable. But like the biggest point you said is they went for average, not replacement level. And with a lot of their guys hurt, they added more average. And I think that's good. I think it's a good move for them. Um, and they are hot. They, it's a good, good time to be buying right now because they are red hot. Um, just got to hope they keep it moving. I know they lost today, so... And they yeah. are they have quite a gap to fill. I think it's like four and a half games still. So it, it's a big gap. The AL has a lot of competition, but I think if we talked about it, the Rangers and Astros are now neck and neck. The Rangers, uh, we did not mention when got Jordan Montgomery. Um, I don't know how I feel about that move. If I'm being honest, I makes a lot more sense given the update on Nathan Yavaldi. Uh, he will miss extended amount of time with a forearm strain, so it does make more sense. And I don't. I think it's more. I don't like the move because there was a lot of teams who needed Jordan Montgomery who didn't go out and get Jordan Montgomery. 
So it's not that the Rangers got him. They did a good job there. It's that other teams didn't. Yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of two and three starters in that rotation. Um, I mean, they have, they pretty much have a six-man rotation. You can't really sit any of those guys. There's too much talent there. You got, obviously, in the front, Yavaldi, John Gray, Dane Dunning, um, Andrew Heaney, Martin Perez, and now, um, shoot, what's it? Uh, Jordan Montgomery. So now you have six guys. You can't really sit one of those guys. You're going to have to move to a six-man. The seven? I about Scherzer. They have seven. Imagine if they had, uh, I don't know, Jacob deGrom. There's a bit of an They will next. They will. It'll be like 22. So I was thinking about this earlier. This Rangers team feels like a better version of last year's Mets. Because I feel like they have a lot less of a fall from grace than the Mets do. And also, like the 2025 Rangers, uh, they're going to be leading the AL West the whole year. Jacob DeGrom's going to come back in August to pitch with Max Scherzer. And then the Astros will take over the division with a week left in the season. I see it. I see it. I see it right now. Uh, the Cardinals did do good, though. The prospects they got in the Montgomery trade ended up being their number four and their number eight. So now they are number four and eight in the Cardinals organization, not four and eight in the Rangers. Um, the Cardinals, they did a very good job at this deadline, I think. I know they were going for pitching, and they did. They went out and got pitching. Uh, they got a catching prospect in the Hennessy's Cabrera trade. They went out and they traded Jack Flaherty to the Orioles, and they got a lot of prospects, but not a lot of high tier prospects. Uh, did you guys like that Flaherty move to to Baltimore? I mean, if you care about qu- quantity of, of prospects, then yeah. I mean, you got your pitching that you wanted. You have two of them now. Um, are they necessarily like the best in their system? Absolutely not, but. I mean, what was Jack Flaherty going to do in that in that rotation for the next couple of years? I mean, how many more years of control is this? Is this the last one? I mean, he was just going to be sitting there. You might as well flip him. This team is uh, pretty hopeless right now. So the fact that you got anything for him is pretty useful. I mean, they moved guys. They moved a lot of people, and they got they got guys back. You know, on a, on a bunch of free agent you know deals here. <laughs> that did not make sense. Like a bunch of guys that were are about to hit free agency. That's what I meant to say. They definitely got a lot of bang for their buck, right? They they went out, they got a high quantity of of prospects. I mean, in the Flaherty trade alone, they got three prospects, two pitchers, and an infielder. Um, as on the flip side of, of the the Flaherty trade, we were talking about like the the prospects that the Cardinals got in, but I think Flaherty fits really well within the Orioles organization. I think the Orioles can help him a lot. Like he really needs work on his control. They th- th- so they they got two pitchers right like or like two main pitchers I can think of off the top of my head one of them's Flaherty the other one's Fujinami both of those guys not throw strikes so if they can help both of those guys throw strikes then they're in a pretty good spot heading into the postseason. Um, I wanted to that, know but... what you thought about like the whole the whole acquiring of Flaherty and Fujinami like did the Orioles address their need? I mean they went out and got pitching as was that the only two trades that they made. Yeah, they made a small trade with the Mariners and the Guardians. This is like the meme where it's like, Mom, can we go out and do this? And then she's like, we got this at home. I mean, you could have gone out and got Dylan Cease, but you got Jack Flaherty. They were going out trying to get a really good reliever, but you got Shintaro, who I think will be good for them. But in reality, I'm slightly disappointed in a team like this. I mean, there's so many prospects in this lineup, in in this uh, farm system that that there's going to be blocks like these guys have to be moved and this was kind of a deadline to make ballsy moves like that and I feel like they did a bunch of safe moves and I'm not necessarily sure if that's the right move for the Baltimore Orioles I think it is the right move I don't I, so they are just entering like last season they were entering their their winning seasons like their playoff window right like I think it's right to be a little cautious, right? Maybe go out, wait for an Aaron Nola or Luis Arias, like this this offseason, go big, sign somebody big. And if you're in the same type of scenario next season with that A-list pitcher, then yes, go in and trade for those types of players. 
I think their biggest hesitation on going for a huge move was a they couldn't get a Dylan Cease caliber pitcher, but it was also that they aren't guaranteed years of control, and I don't think they wanted to spend spend the prospect capital necessary for a player without a lot of years of control. Uh, we did see today that the Dodgers were on the verge of acquiring Eduardo Rodriguez, but then he used his no trade clause because he wanted to stay near family that's on the East Coast. So, like, obviously that kind of sucked, but like, I completely understand the decision. And I think that other teams, especially East Coast teams, missed out on that because since the Dodgers weren't going to, they had the deal done. You knew what the price the Dodgers were going to pay. And if the Dodgers were willing to pay it, it probably was a worthwhile price. Teams like the Orioles, the Braves, they didn't go out and pay that price themselves. I think it was a very passive deadline for a lot of contenders. Uh, And there weren't many ballsy moves, especially by the Orioles. And I think that team, like the Orioles, could definitely use a left-handed starting pitcher uh, pretty badly, actually. Uh, I, I mean, when's the last time John Means pitched in a game? been like a long time yeah Um, so there's not really a dominant lefty in that rotation anymore so would have been nice to see eduardo be moved somewhere um and i think the Orioles would have been a perfect destination for him but just didn't pull the trigger on it and this might be completely because of the whole family thing uh, but you have to kind of be kicking yourselves if you're the Tigers front office. Like, yes, you tried, you made a move, and it just didn't work out because of the dude and his family. Like, again, you understand the family thing, but if and likely when he opts out at this trade deadline or at this uh, off season, they're not getting anything for that. He has already been extended a qualifying offer by the Boston Red Sox, so he can't get another one. So it's likely that just at the end of the season, he walks, and the Tigers don't get anything in return. Yeah, I mean that would that would a hundred percent suck for Detroit. I feel bad. I mean, they actually did. They actually tried. Like, it's not like. I mean, I, do you think they would have known though, like about the situation? Like, I feel like, on one hand, you should probably talk to your players, but on the other hand, they don't have to. I mean, I just, I just wonder how that that type of thing just gets passed by, when like talking about you know, because he was a trade piece from the beginning of the season. Actually, I'm not sure about that because he kind of like rebroke out, but like he had to know that he was going to be moved, and they probably should have mentioned that. But I don't know. I I feel bad for him. It's not really their fault, but I mean, they did what they could. Uh, there are two other teams that I do really think we should focus about, and they both have very similar names. That's the Mariners and the Marlins. Tom, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about the Marlins, so let's Marlins. start there. They were um, aggressive, baby. I'm so happy. They actually did things, and they got bats. Now, the most recent one, Stevs, I know you're freaking out about Khalil Watson moving because of that MLB The Show card that was really good. No, I'm not. I'm, it's not because <laughs> of that. This dude is not good. I, do you, justify yourself, Stevs. What do you want me to justify myself about? What are you talking about? You act like Khalil's like, I oh. just, Okay, no, no, no. I'm making out that Josh Bell is not worth two players, one of them being Khalil Watts. And I understand the backlog that uh, the Marlins have at shortstop and all that, but you give up Josh Bell's batting 233 on the season with a 383 slugging and a 95 WRC+. plus. He has not been doing very good this season. You give up your number 11 prospect in Khalil Watson and Gene Segura, who Gene Segura has been underperforming as well. I, so, I don't... It's fine. So... I get the qu- I get the quantity thing, Stavs, but Gene Segura is like the third worst player in baseball by F four. So this trade is basically Josh Bell for Khalil Watson. Um, when the Cleveland Guardians acquired Gene Segura, he was in fact released. That's what I thought. So yeah, it's basically a one for one guy. And I mean, Khalil Watson, he's like a four A baseball player, but instead of being good in AAA and then being bad in the majors, he's really good in rookie ball and really bad in single A. So he has like an OPS over a thousand in rookie. And then every time he steps on a, a single A field, he can't crack 700. So I, it's a little concerning for me. He was a guy that I was really hyped for coming up just because he had one of my favorite MLB the show cards of all time. I'm not going to lie. But 
seeing how he's progressed over the last two years, I'm a little disappointed, and I I think it's a fine move for both teams. I, I think don't Josh think, Bell. I'm not, sorry, you're fine. I'm just saying I don't know if Josh Bell is the needle push that they really needed, but they did need a first baseman. I think it might be a decent move for him. I just wasn't I just wasn't expecting Khalil Watson to get moved at the deadline for Josh Bell. Uh, Josh Bell under the hood, 308 Woba, 353 expected. So there is a bit of a discrepancy there. I bet the Marlins are looking at something very similar to that and hopefully hoping that kicks in. Uh, obviously, Gene Segura kind of just went as a salary dump because now the Guardians owe him however much was owed. Uh, and do remember that Josh Bell did have a $16 million contract that the Marlins have now taken on. They also did trade Garrett Cooper to the Padres, so that does completely unblock Josh Bell. It was an interesting move. They traded Garrett Cooper and Sean Reynolds to the Padres for Ryan Weathers. If you remember Ryan Weathers, he was kind of big in 2020 with the Padres. He was the guy who in high school, he, I think, allowed one run in 75 innings or something like that. I saw that graphic in the 2020 postseason. So, Maybe there's something there. I feel like Garrett Cooper didn't really provide too much for them this year, and it's not that big of a not that big of a loss when you think about it. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and you got Josh Bell, who at the end of the season has a player option and could likely and probably will come back. Yeah, I mean, I, that was the most questionable move from the White Sox. I don't really like Ryan Weathers as a player that much just because, I mean, I think he was rushed through the minors, to be completely honest. Uh, especially for that playoff push in 2020. The move I did like was Jake Berger. I really, they needed a thump, another thump, a second thump. And this is the guy, man. I mean, this is a really a, a difference maker. And he still has team control, right? I mean, how much longer does he have? I mean, this is. He's young. This is a very good move. And they traded him. It was a one for one trade for Jake Eder. Jake Eater. Eater. They have yeah, the Eater for the burger. They have. That's what I'm saying. They have so much pitching depth in that in that farm system that they could go ahead and flip him for Jake Berger, who I think will be fantastic for him. And I, I'm I'm really happy for the Marlins on this one because this is might be the underrated pick of the the trade deadline, like a a pick that kind of moves them into playoff position. Because I really I really like Jake, the Burger Man. Everything under the hood for Berger supports that he's very good. He has been performing like that this season, 806 OPS, which is by far a career high. He's only in his second year of arbitration, so he's got five more years of team control. So that does raise the question for me at least of why would the White Sox be willing to trade someone who will almost guaranteed be a part of the next good White Sox team if they do rebuild correctly? but they wouldn't move a Dylan Cease, a Michael Kopech, a Tim Anderson, a Yohan Moncada, all guys who won't be a part of the next good White Sox team. Because they have flat out said, we think we can compete next year. You can't with this roster. And you've given up one of your young team-controlled players who is performing really well, but you wouldn't give up one of the guys who's going to be a free agent next time you're good. I mean, I don't have an answer for that. I don't work with the White Sox, and I think even if you did work for the White Sox, you still wouldn't know because they're they're not very intelligent. Uh, do you do you have a reason for it, Brad, or did you like legitimately ask that? No, I'm legitimately asking. Yeah, I don't have an answer. That's a stupid move, Stevs. <laughs> I, mean, I I guess I can see kind of they maybe they needed they felt like they needed left-handed pitching, and Jake Berger was the it was the price the Marlins needed. Uh, I'm I'm looking at it through that type of lens, maybe. I, that that's about it. Maybe they feel like they have other prospects that can kind of fill in the the gap that Jake Berger is going to leave. Why would you trade a player with five years of control that has some of the best power in baseball for a guy that just came off TJ and has not been the most effective guy in the minors? I, I see no reason. I, I can't I can't justify it. Um, but the Marlins, I'm considering this an absolute fleece. This is my Tom pick, underrated pick of the draft. I love. I mean. Deadline. I love this pick, Steve. So, I mean, I, I did talk. I, I wanted the Marlins to go out and be ultra aggressive this trade deadline, and they definitely were. I mean, they got what? They got Josh Bell. They got Jake Berger. They went out and got Ryan Weathers. They got a left-handed pitcher, which is what I said that they really needed. And then they went out and got David Robertson as well. They, I mean, they went out and they did what was necessary 
to to compete for the rest of the season and, and make that playoff push for the wild card or the try and maybe push for the division. I highly doubt that. No. But guess who just blew a save for the Marlins today? Listen to David Roberts. Yeah. Um, mildly unfortunate. Snatty went eight innings, no runs. And then uh, David Robertson came in and stunk it up a little bit, but I'm not concerned. I like that move too. Um, I mean, they have a pretty stacked pitching rotation and bullpen at this point. I, all I would have asked was for another thump, and then they got it. So Marlins, 10 out of 10, A-plus deadline for me. I agree. I think – most of the NL East teams did a pretty good job at the deadline this year. Like the Braves didn't really have too much to improve. They could have gone out and got a starting pitcher. The Phillies went out and got Michael Lorenzen. They got Rodolfo Castro. You know, they didn't really get any huge needle movers, but they addressed what they needed. They got depth starting pitching and depth bats. Yeah. Um, the last team I did really want to talk about was the Mariners. It kind of felt like they did a very soft sell at this deadline. Like I emphasis on soft because they didn't really lose too much. Uh, the Giants, you guys acquired AJ Pollock and Mark Mark Mathias. AJ Pollock can do really good versus lefties, um, just from watching him for a while. And I think he'll be fine with them. It's just I felt like this was a really underwhelming deadline for the Giants. I'm not trying to like just point at like, haha, it's your team. It's I just think they could have done a lot more. I mean, I agree. I'm I'm also disappointed. I mean, this is a team that's very heavily relying on Tyro Strata's return at this point. Uh, and they actually went out and said that too. They're like, we don't need middle infielders because we have Brandon Crawford and Tyro Strata, who at times can be good, but at times can suck like the rest of the team. Um, I would have liked to go out and get a guy like Lane Thomas, honestly. Um, they were actually considering uh, Tommy Pham, but uh, obviously the, the slap incident happened or um, Jock Peterson says, you know about it? Yeah. So, I mean, that was a, that was a big block for him. We couldn't, we couldn't go out and get him. And, I mean, other than that, I mean, I would have liked to go out and get Stroman, Bellinger, you know, guys that didn't actually get traded because the teams, you know, retracted their offers or retracted their players from being on the market. I think that shook up a lot of ball clubs. And I think that might be a reason why this deadline was a little underwhelming because teams had their eye on guys that, you know, got removed off the market. Do you guys um, like the Cubs not selling? Yeah, I do. I I, I mean, I so, think they're too close and they're too hot. I mean, they just won. They just, I'm going to pull this up right now. 20 to 9. They won 20 to 9. That's a football game right there. So, I mean, the offense is there. Uh, I mean, this team is just completely reliant on being hot at the right time. But, I mean, I, yes. I, I like the, I like not selling because I think they can re sign a lot of the players that they, they were going to sell, right? Like, I think they can still make a playoff push and they can re sign Bellinger, they can re sign Stroman. And and whatever else, right? So I think it was a smart move. You see, the thing is, it's kind of like the Mets in my eyes. Like, not like the Mets, but like the Mets in the sense that they are trying to go for it without having the prospect capital. I think having sold at one more deadline and then having gone for it would have been a lot more beneficial for this club because they would have had the prospect reinforcements to go along with major league talent. Because I don't think they're too far away from competing. I think that they could easily go out and get Bellinger at this at this offseason, get him to a longer contract. I think they could go out and sign Stroman too, or if they wanted to find a different starting pitcher with a similar price tag, that's completely reasonable. I just don't completely agree with their them being stagnant or them not selling, especially in a national league where there's so many teams contending right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's literally so many teams that are in this race right now, and only some can win. Uh, I'm not really thinking that the Dodgers will end up in a position to, um, you know, fight for a wild card spot because the Giants and the Diamondbacks are both fighting each other in the mid competition right now. Um, but I do want to talk about the Dodgers and how they acquired three guys with negative F4 and then Joe Kelly, who was also really 
not if you looked at, if you looked at his stats in like 1980, you'd be like, this guy is horrible. But you, the under the hood stats, you know, a little reassuring, especially going to the Dodgers from the White Sox. Um, but Lance Lynn, I'm not sold. I keep hearing things. Lance Lynn's gonna break out. He's gonna start. He's gonna start looking good again. He hasn't done that yet. Uh, and he has the worst qualified ERA among starters. High strikeout numbers. But why, what's good about strikeouts when you're giving up six a game? Do you like any of the moves other than Joe Kelly? Really, I mean, I can't, I can't say I like any of the moves except for Joe Kelly. So I like the Ahmed Rosario move in the sense that we got rid of Noah Syndergaard, and Noah Syndergaard is unusable. There is a hope that we could restore Ahmed Rosario to literally be what he was last year. If I remember correctly, he was a five-war player last year. He was good. And if we're getting him for half a season and he can put up a like 1.5 war, that's a huge win in a trade right there. Kike Hernandez, that move felt a lot more like a clubhouse move than it did a player acquisition. And that's perfectly fine. Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly were obviously like the huge stars of the trade deadline for the Dodgers. The Joe Kelly move, I think was a fine move because Joe Kelly good for the clubhouse can be very versatile, but normally he kind of locks it down through the postseason and then blows it in the postseason and Lance Lynn we didn't have to give up too much for him and if he is what he has been it won't be great innings but it'll be innings that we need because it's not like he's getting shelled every game where he's giving up eight so he gives you a chance to win but not a great chance but it's also he was with the White Sox who didn't really change anything about him including his pitch utilization I feel like him going to the Dodgers, it might not necessarily be the stray Cy Young spree he went on, I think, two years ago, or a couple, two to four years ago, where he was top five in Cy Young voting. But I think he could be a serviceable three or four for the Dodgers. And having watched him, like he's making his first start right now, he throws the pitch down the middle half the time. And he's getting away with it because he's facing the athletics right now. But you face a, a postseason roster, and they're going to get all over that. And I think that's where he'd been hurt. If we can eliminate that and maybe work on throwing that slider a little bit more, I think Lance Lynn could be a breakout relative to what he was candidate. I mean, anything's possible in the Dodgers. They fix a lot of guys. It's harder to do this midseason, obviously which is why I think it's a bad move. I think it would have been a better like off-season move to get Lance Lynn. Because making pitching adjustments mid-season is just – it doesn't seem very, uh, you know, convenient for anyone. And you can also get the yips that way. But, I mean, would you have liked – would you have liked uh, Kopech over Lynn or – and Cease, I'm assuming, obviously. Cause it's oh, season. yeah, that's the prize. But given that neither of them were on the board and Giolito had already gone – Lance Lynn does technically have a club option for next year. I'm not too sure how keen the Dodgers are in picking that up. But I think your point about the yips, like it's well heard, but he's 36. He's been in the league for 13 years. Like if you're going to try and make an in-season adjustment with anyone, it's him. Yeah, I mean, it's worth a try at this point. Uh, I do want to ask, what about the Ryan Yarbrough trade? What do you think about that one? Do you remember who I had him going to in the offseason? Yeah. No. Your team. Yep. I had him going to the Dodgers. I mean, he's got potential. I think the uh the the, the Royals definitely did not tap into that potential, but um I think a team like the Dodgers could do that. I mean he, we paid cash for him and he is like a soft contact wizard that has value that could be a swingman out of the bullpen as Kike Hernandez drives the ball into deep left field. That'll be an RBI double. Uh, great move already. <laughs> Tom is just absolutely bewildered. Tom and, watching as the worst qualified player in baseball suddenly becomes good. It's a 106-mile-an-hour line drive. Um, Mariners just wrapping up on them. They sold AJ Pollock, they sold Paul Seawald, and they didn't acquire anyone. And they um did they DFA or release Colton Wong? They DFA him. him. Is anyone gonna go for him? Yeah, someone will was what I saw. Giants need middle infield. We need middle infield depth. Why don't we just go out and get him? I don't care if he's bad. It's not it can't be worse than Brett Wisely. It can't. Let me see Colton Wong. Let's see what we're working with. It's bad. Let's see. 
How those peripherals looking, Colton? One second. Oh, great. Um, yeah, I mean they're a little underwhelming, but you know, man, it's just it's good. It's it was a fine deadline. There was a lot of moves that took place. There was no besides Verlander. There wasn't any huge moves. The standings, the needle didn't get moved much for me. Baltimore addressed their needs. Tampa Bay was weirdly quiet. Toronto got a few things around the edges. Red Sox and Yankees, Red Sox especially, stayed very quiet. Yankees didn't do much. Twins literally did not make a single move. Yeah, and they didn't even pursue anyone. They knew. Wait, no, they did. Wait, they they traded uh, Jorge Lopez for Dylan. Oh, they did, right. And that Okay, that move I think was a steal for the Marlins because they swapped – Jorge Lopez back to his pitch mix that he was using on the Orioles. And what did he do his first outing? He struck out the side. Um, Hold on. Let me look at one more thing. Ooh, shoot. The Rays. They did something that I liked. Hold on. Let me double check. Come on. Oh, Aaron Savali. Oh, right. Yes. I like that move because he's controllable, correct? Yes. And he's good. And they got rid of Patino, Patino, yeah. um, which I'm not sure if I like, but um, they had to give up quite the uh, the prospect for uh, Aaron Savali, but I think it's worth it in my opinion. Rays need starting pitching. I think if they were willing to give him up, there is a red flag that they had. And if cost-controlled pitching that can be effective is right up the Rays' alley. So good job, Tampa. I did forget about that trade. It did happen today. Underrated move. Everything's happening so fast. <laughs> and there was a lot of trades that happened today. Uh, Stevs, any final thoughts? Tom, any final thoughts? Uh, I think I'm good. I think the Giants were extremely uh, underperforming uh, at, at the deadline. L team, terrible team. Um, yeah, that's about all I got. Um, I disagree, but... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I think uh, Giants might be screwed, but the Dodgers also didn't. They are. So we're we're all screwed. Very um interesting deadline. I think this might lead to a more interesting uh, off season, though. I completely agree. So trade deadline is in the wraps, and this kind of does kick off our final leg of the postseason race. Uh, obviously, September will be a little bit more. A little bit more hostile than the month of August. August August is known as the dog days. Uh, We'll be back later this week with the July monthly awards. Hopefully we don't have any reliever incidents this month. Uh, We might. So we do appreciate you listening. If you have enjoyed, please consider leaving a rating or review, sharing this with a friend. All social media links will be in the description below. If you have enjoyed, leave a like. Thank you all for listening to the 4A Baseball Podcast. We will see you all next time. Peace. (laughs) Woo!